Uh, our Father God in heaven, Lord, we thank you. God, we love you. Uh, Lord, we ask that um, as we come together as the body, uh, Lord, that we operate as the body um, for your glory, for your purpose. Uh, God, I ask that the words that come out of my mouth today um, come from uh, your heart, and they come from uh, what it is that you've laid on my heart to, to speak to, uh, to, to all of us today. Um, God, let us hear them. Let us heed them. Uh, God, let us bring you glory. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. All right, let's, let's sit. All right. Ooh, buddy. So, about six years ago, um, I started doing all this here, became the, the, the pastor, and uh, so I figured after six years, I, the honeymoon's over and we can like, get into the nitty gritty, all right? That's kind of the way in which I, I feel today um, because uh, it's, it's kind of been one of those weeks that, that God's been working on me in a, just a, a, an interesting way. It's been rough, like, and I don't, want, I don't want your sympathy or anything, not that you'd give it, um, but uh, what, what, I, what I want us all to do, and I hope by now you understand that um, I don't think there's a deeper love in which I, that, that, that you can receive from, from me because I, I love you. And what it is we're going to talk about today, what I need you to do, every single person, if, you, if you're visiting with us, awesome, this is, what, this is what we do. So, but what I need you to do is not to check out in the first five minutes or 10 minutes um, because if you check out early, and you, or how about this, you form an opinion early or you start saying, well, wait a second, preacher, that's not right. If you start doing that early, you're going to miss the, what God has to say today. It, it, it's, I don't know how else to say it. It's kind of one of those weighty subjects. Um, I, I'm, I'm not, no, I can say that. I, I think that, that this is probably, I'm more nervous than I've been in a long time about a, a, a message. Not because like um, I'm nervous of standing up in front. I'm nervous that it will be received properly because our tendency is to hear what we want to hear and not hear the whole truth. So my, my plea to you today is just let's, let's hear all of this and then if there's a problem at the end, um, set up a time to come talk to me and we'll, we'll duke it out. Uh, that, that's fine. But let, hear me through. So with that, I want to show you, um, I want to show you a picture because I want this picture to be burned in your, in your mind. Uh, throw that picture up there, please. I, uh, I came across this picture a while ago. Um, and can, can you all see wh- what it is? Okay, so there we go. Um, this is a, a picture of um, an artist's rendition of like the baptism of Jesus. So Jesus is coming up out of the water. You see the dove, um, which is um, uh, the symbolizing the, the Holy Spirit descending on, on Jesus. This is where I want to pick up. Um, so uh, just let that, that image just continue to, to, to burn in your mind. Let's do this. While, uh, unless I have a scripture or anything else up there, let's leave the image uh, so it can continue just to, to, to be there. Um, we are in uh, Luke chapter 3. Right? Good? All right. So, um, as I will, let's go down real briefly. Why are we doing, why are we studying the book of Luke? We want to have what? 
certainty. Um, the, 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 the doctor, Dr. Luke, gave us this book. He wrote it to um, a man named Theophilus, which means friend of or lover of God. Um, and and he, he intends this. It says that um, the reason he wrote this is so that Theophilus and essentially uh, we can have certainty about the things in which we've been taught. Last week, um, we started and I explained the baptism of Jesus and the things that took place during that baptism. We talked about uh, the um, different theories of why Jesus was baptized, um, but then we've, we ended on what the Bible says about why Jesus was baptized, and we kind of ended with that. Well, um, I, I didn't get to, I think I might have gotten to one of the certainties um, for, from this, this text. Today, I want to talk about the other certainty, uh, but if you missed it from last week, the, the certainty that I said right at the end was that Jesus is the Son of God. That is a, a certainty in which Luke wanted to get across to Theophilus, because Theophilus, being a Greek man, he, he had um, some he was probably taught about um, the, the Messiah. He was taught about who Jesus is. So he was just reinforcing that. We understand that that certainty, Jesus is the Son of God. Without Jesus being the Son of God, we have no Christian faith. Period. We, we, we don't have anything. Uh, it doesn't matter how good a, a speaker can be, um, nor how um, uh, well-intended a person can be. If Jesus is not the Son of God, um, then our faith is in vain. So that was one certainty. The next certainty in which uh, we are going to uh, look at and talk about today, um, it, it, that's a tough one. And before I get into that, I want to just kind of give you a, a bio of me, maybe something I haven't uh, shared um, maybe in a long time. I don't even know if I've shared this at all. So um, growing up, and uh, this, this is kind of for, for some of you that, that knew me when I was, when I was younger, uh, maybe this was... Uh, <laughs> Bobby's looking around. There may be somebody. I don't know. My dad's sitting back here. Um, my, my sister's over here, too. So um, Marty knew me when I was, yeah, there we go. So there's a few of them. You're not alone, Bobby, <laughs> even though you're, like, isolated. And, did, did you not bathe today? Um, but um, <laughs> as I was growing up, uh, there, there was a... Um, just a, I had this, I don't, I don't even want to say it was a desire. It was just a part of me. Maybe it was a desire. I don't know. I can't, I'm not going to label it. There was something in me that just wanted to please people. Um, I, I always wanted to please, uh, and I don't know if my dad knows this, I, I always wanted to please my dad. Um, dad used to coach me in, you know, sports and everything. And uh, to be honest with you, I really didn't like a whole lot of the sports. Sorry, Dad. Um, but there, there was, uh, there were some, but it was just my, and I'm not trying to make you feel bad. If you do, great. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but I, I didn't really, I didn't really enjoy a lot of it. I did some of it, but not, not a lot of it. I, I'm, in my, as I look back, am I like resentful? No, 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 I'm not resentful. But I know that why I did it was I just wanted to please my dad. Um, and, and I, I think that that was something that, that kind of followed me through really my, my whole entire life is I was always trying to please someone. And, and for those of you that are, that are close to me, and, and maybe the, well, those of you close to me probably see that, but those kind of on the exterior, the outer circle, probably are like, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Well, well hear me out on this. Um, a, a lot of times when people are trying to please someone else, they go to great extent, a great extent to disguise it. 
Um, and, and I was a master of disguise. Um, maybe I wasn't as good as I, I thought and I conjured up in my mind, but I was good at disguising that I was trying to please people. Uh, I, that even carried into when I became the pastor here at this church for the first couple of years. It was like I was always trying to please and impress uh, people with, with words and with this and with that. Um, and, and I'll tell you what, when, when, I, uh, when I would do that, even if I would get the outcome in which I was, in, it was, was setting out for pleasing people, the fulfillment of the joy wasn't there. Um, and, and, and I say that because I think a lot of times what, um, what I was doing was I was trying to uh, set myself up where if I could just get to this or get to that or do this or do that, and if people would love me this much or that much or whatever, you know, things would be better. Well, I, I, I soon found out, I mean, after a few years of ministry, that, that the only one in which we are to please is God. And when we take and we quit trying to please everybody around us, and this is not just for the preacher, this is for everybody sitting here. When we quit trying to please everybody around us, um, God is, is more pleased in, in that, that action. So I, I, I say that because I, I, don't, I, mean, I don't know everybody's situation, and I'm not going to dive into your business. I'm not going to read your mail uh, unless you want me to. Um, but I, I think there's a lot of that. I'm just trying to please the person who's sitting next to me or the person that's sitting down the road from me or maybe uh, the, person, the, the people in my house or my job or what, whatever. Now, now, disclosure, asterisk here. Am I saying to be an unpleasant person? <laughs> no, I'm not saying to be unpleasant. But your identity is not wrapped up in who you please and who you don't please. Because I'm going to ask this question. Um, this is the, the, the weighty part where we're going to start off. We're going to start off in the deep end. Is God pleased with you? Don't, don't answer that out loud. Ask yourself, um, is God pleased with me? So, is God pleased with you? Now, while you're thinking about that, before you answer it, I just wrote down a, a few things. Um, is he pleased with the way uh, in which you, let's just start out with things. Um, are, is he pleased with, with the way in which you love him? Or is he pleased in, in the way in which you're, you're uh, praying? Um, is God pleased with the way in which you're reading your Bible? Um, is God pleased in the way in which you are loving your spouse? Is God pleased in the way in which you are loving your children? Is God pleased in the way in which you are working at your job? Is God pleased with the way in which you serve one another? Is God pleased with the way in which you love one another? Or the way in which you care for one another? Or the way in which you bear one another's burden? Or the way in which you put one another's needs in front of yourself? Or the way in which you see I can go on and on and on? And by this time, I, I don't know about you, but me, I want to like crawl under a rock because if I'm going to answer this question, is God pleased and I'm listening to all this thing, I'm going to probably say, well, here's a Christian response. Well, maybe not like he could be or maybe not like I should be, right? How are, how are you doing reading your Bible and praying? Well, I'm not like I should. I, I, I get it. Here's what I want us to do, is, is I want us to start out with the, the answer to the question, is God pleased with, with you? And when I'm saying you, within your person, the answer is, your question is no. The answer to my question is no, he's not. God is not pleased. 
I, I uh, um, watched a, 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 a um, reenactment sermon on uh, Jonathan Edwards' uh, famous sermon, uh, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Uh, and and if, you, uh, if you want to watch that, I'll, I'll shoot you the link. It was great. Um, and, and this guy, he dressed up with the, with the ascot. That's what the, the hair thing's called, right? with the white hair and dressed the whole part. And he, he read this sermon. Well, what we have to understand is this sermon that, that, that which uh, Jonathan Edwards gave, um, it was very uh, clear, I mean, very straightforward uh, in, in talking about sinners in the hands of an angry God, talking about how at any time God can open his hands and drop anybody into the lake of fire. At any time. And it is reported that as he preached this sermon, that there were those that were the people in the church were holding on to the back of the pews in front of them because they thought the floor was going to open up and they were going to be gobbled up into the great abyss, like I'm sounding like right now. They, 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 they thought that the floor was going to open up and they were going to be sucked down or dropped down into the pit of hell. Now, is that the same imagery in which I want to get across to you by telling you that God is not pleased, pleased with you? Um, <laughs> I don't know. What I want is for us to have a starting point because we're not going to end with that. We're not going to end with, oh, thanks, Lee. I was having a bad week. Now I'm having a terrible week because now I'm not, God's not even pleased with me. Well, wait a second because there's more to the story. It doesn't end with that. Go back to our text. Let's look at our text real quick. We talked about this, the, the, the baptism of Jesus, and we talked about how when um, he came up out of, of the water, he being Jesus came up out of the water, like the picture shows right here, it says that the, the, the Spirit um, descended like a dove, and a voice came from heaven. And this is where we're going to spend most of our time is just this voice and what this voice said. Because this voice said, you are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. Let, let that, just think about that for a second because this is where I want us to be. I, I want us to be um, uh, as if we are, that, that is us when we're, on, um, where we're in the water, we come up out of the water. I, I want us to kind of envision, would God say, with you, Lee, with you, Bobby, I am well pleased? <clears throat> would he say that? We see here that there is one that God is pleased with. N notice what, when this comes about. <clears throat> excuse me. Notice that when uh, when the, the skies open uh, or the the, the 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 spirit descend out of the sky and in the sky when God speaks from from heaven. Notice what had taken place. Humor me here for a second. Uh, did Jesus turn water into wine? Yet. Not yet. Uh, did he walk on water? Yet. Uh, did he feed the 5,000? What about the 4,000? What about the uh, made the, the, the blind see? What, what about uh, made the, the lame walk? I, I, you, you see where I'm going. On and on. Um, up to this point, Jesus did not begin his ministry. Jesus did not begin what it is that he was set out to do yet. But the Father said... With you, I am well pleased. 
What does that mean? Okay, I, 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 I don't know, Lee. I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, of, of tracking with you a little bit. Like, okay, the Father's pleasing the Son. Yes, he didn't do anything yet. But okay, why, why are you stressing that? Too many times, too many people, what we try to do is we try to take all the works and all the good things and say, okay, God can be pleased with me because of X, Y, and Z. It wasn't because of X, Y, and Z. I mean, how many of you have, have raised the dead? How many of you have uh, given blind uh, the, the sight? How many of you, how many water skied without, uh, without skis? <laughs> how about this? How many of you walked on water without a boat? Ice. Thanks, Father. <laughs> None of you. None of us. None of us have done something so miraculous that it, 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 it pairs or it equates to anything that, that Jesus did here on earth. But yet the Father didn't take all of that stuff in consideration when he said, with you I am well pleased. So that's where I want us to, to spend some time because it's in the person of Jesus that the Father is pleased. Note that. <clears throat> Excuse me. Here's the certainty. The, the, the certainty in which we have is, where's my notes? There we go. The Father was pleased with the Son before His ministry even started. Luke wanted to get that across to Theophilus. Why did he want to get that across to Theophilus? Well, I'm glad you asked. It all starts with a person. I ask the question, is God pleased with you? Or is he pleased with me? In my person, absolutely not. The, the Bible is clear. There, there's something that's called depravity. And, and, and this is something that maybe you, if you grew up in church, you never heard of because this is not what people like to talk about. The Bible is, is very clear that um, we are, are, are born with a sin nature. You're not, excuse me, you're, you're not born with, like, you're born good, like you're born an innocent baby, and from there, just all, all uh, everything falls apart. No, since Adam sinned, it says that since sin entered into the world through one man and into all men, we are part of that all men and women, all mankind, we are born into the world with a sin nature. That is this understanding of total depravity. Total depravity is no matter what you can do, you can't do anything to make you good. Wait a second, Lee. There's a lot of good people out there. Okay, good to whose standard? Not to God's standard. Society, yeah. But we can make up. It's, it, it, the understanding is we can make up a standard, and anybody can be good to a standard in which we make up. But according to what God has said, no one... No one lives up to his standard. That's what total depravity is. And, and can you see now where if we would stop with that and I'd say, all right, let's go and let's go and hit the world. We'd be like, wait a second, I'm really, I ain't got no hope. It could be very bleak for us. But what we have to understand is that is, and maybe I can't express this enough to you, but that is what is so beautiful about what it is that God has given us. Because of how dead we are, the Bible tells us we're dead D-E-D, -E dead, right? We're, we're, we're dead in our trespasses and our sins. We're, we're, we're dead. So from when we were born, we were born into the world dead spiritually. So understanding that, that, that someone who is dead cannot all of a sudden decide to be good. There is nothing inherently good in us when we were born. 
God has to move in. A supernatural uh, work has to happen for us to then be good. So, so are, 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 we, are, are we clear here? And, I mean, I, I don't, how about this? Maybe you don't want to accept this, but do you understand that we all start on the same plane? And the plane in which we start on is the ground floor in which we're dead. Total depravity. There is nothing in and of ourselves that is good. There is nothing that, that, that um, a baby is born and we hold it up and the, the, the heavens would open up and, and say, well, in that baby, I'm well pleased. God wouldn't say that. Even before that, that baby was, was even uh, able to um, cry for the first time, because you know when babies cry, they're just being selfish, right? Feed me, or I poop myself, or something like that. It's, 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 it's cute, I understand, but it is, it's a form of selfishness from the womb. Understand that, that, that when we're born into the world, we're born into, this, into the world with a need. And that need, we cannot fill. It's encouraging, right? Well, when, when we see and when we have the, the, the voice from heaven identify that there is one in which he is pleased with, that's where hope changes. That's where our new beginning starts. Because I, I, I think this is very beautiful to us when we see that um, the, the, the understanding where, where pleasure from God starts with or where we come in, if we want to uh, be uh, pleasing to God or if we want to please God, it starts with a person. It starts with the person of his son. He says, you are my beloved son. With you I am well pleased. Then he goes through all of this genealogy. And what's the last um, uh, line there, or the, the last son of in that genealogy? Son of God. So why is the father pleased, and you are my beloved son, in, which I'm, which, in whom I am well pleased? Why is he pleased? Because he's his son. Okay, Lee, where are you going with this? All right, I'm glad you asked. Um, do me a favor. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 11 real quick. While you're turning to Hebrews chapter 11, I want, I want to stress something else to you. In the voice coming from heaven... In the spirit descending like a dove, in the sun coming out of the water, what we see not only is a picture of the Trinity, what we see is a picture of a personal, a personal God. A personal God. Now, let me, let me again put an asterisk up here. God is not personal as in a private matter. Too many times, too many people, when you talk to them, um, ask them about their, their, their faith, or maybe you're just having a conversation, and you start off, hey, do you believe um, in God? And they, they, they say something along the lines, yeah, but that's private. I don't want to talk about that. Or that's personal. Well, Jesus didn't die in public, so you can have a personal faith. It, it, does, it doesn't work that way. So when I say that, 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 that Jesus is, or God is a personal God, he's personal in the, the sense of relational. He came to have relation with you, with I. 
Why in the world would he come to have a relation with you or with I if he's not pleased with us? We'll get to that in a second. Hebrews chapter 11. I want to look at verse 6, then I want to go back to verse 1. Because if I'm going to ask you, and I'm going to set this bar up here and tell you how nasty and dirty and ugly and dead you are, and you're not pleasing to God, and I'm, hey, me too. It's like, so there's a mirror. I'm, I'm saying this to myself too. I want to know, wait a second, can I be pleasing to God? What can I do to be pleasing to God? So what is pleasing to God? That's where I want us to go next because we, we need to not just live in the muck and the mire because too many times what we do is we only focus on the bad and we don't go on to the good. But I believe if we don't know the bad, we can't see how good the good really is. That's why I started out that way in understanding that we're, we're, we're dead. But we're going to see we're made alive. Look at uh, verse 6, 11 verse 6 of Hebrews. And without, what's that word? Faith. It is impossible to please him. For whoever draws near to God must believe that he exists and that he, re he rewards those who seek him. So, what does it say here that um, without this one thing that it's impossible to please God? Faith. The writer of Hebrews makes it perfectly clear for us to understand here that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Here's where I want to go to the next step because this is where people say, well, I've got faith. Well, what is the object of your faith? Because the object of the pleasure of the Father was the Son. So if we're going to look at, okay, the Father is pleased with the Son because of the Son. If I'm going to say, uh, like the, Hebrew, the writer of Hebrews says here, that without faith, without understanding the object of faith, your faith can be futile. Too many times, too many people put their faith in church. How about this? They put their faith in the pastor. They even put their faith in how much they read the Bible, or they put their faith in how um, much they give. They put their faith in, you, you notice I'm, no, uh, I'm naming all good things that, that they're in, especially the pastor one, right? Uh, we're, we're naming all good things inside the church. But we, what we have to understand, no matter how good it is, your faith is only to be in Jesus Christ. Because if your faith is not in Jesus Christ, you will not please God. There's no pleasure from the Father in anyone who is, does not have faith in Jesus Christ. Well, that's a, a, a harsh statement. What about my Muslim brothers and sisters or my Hindu or whatever? I can only tell you what the Bible says. Do I take pride in saying that people are dying and going to hell? No, absolutely not. But if that is such a burden on your heart, maybe God is telling you something. Do something about it. Because we understand that Jesus himself says, um, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes under the Father. But how? By him, through him. It, it, there's no back door. There's no, you have a good life. And if you're a good person, then you get into heaven. No, because even the, the best of person is still dead in their trespasses and sins. It's only through Jesus in which we can get into heaven. And, and some of you may be sitting there thinking, okay, Lee, I, I get it. I'm, I'm a believer. I believe in Jesus. Awesome. 
I, I think it's important that we continually understand what the gospel truly is because too many times, too many people, myself included sometimes, we kind of want to like minimize, well, uh, the, the impact and the magnitude of what the message of, of God is for trying to please someone. Quit trying to please man and please God. There's, uh, the Apostle Paul says that. Uh, he says, you know, am I trying to please man or am I trying to please God here? So be it. And, and I guarantee that, that the Apostle Paul had a, a much rougher life than everybody in here. Now, am I minimizing your situation? No, 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 no. I'm maximizing the love in which God has for us. Because what we see here is this, it's faith in Jesus that is what is um, needed. If we're going to ask this question, um, how, how is God pleased? Well, it starts with faith in his son. Because without faith in his son, you will never, never please God. Well, what does that mean, faith in his son? Well, again, I'm glad you asked. Because it says, verse 1, look at it. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Well, what is faith? Okay, there's, there's a, a definition for you. It's the assurance of things hoped for. Now, uh, understand this. We've talked about this in the past, but I think it's worth noting again. When we talk about hoped for, this is not like I hope my team wins the game or I hope my kid doesn't drop ice cream on the carpet or I hope whatever. No, this is a hope in things, in something that has already been accomplished. Like, I'm putting all of my trust in. So, the assurance of things hoped for, what is it that we, are, that we hope for? Well, we're told that we have eternal life in Jesus Christ. Turn back real, real quick to uh, John chapter 3. You have to turn there in the Bible, because this, this won't come up on the slides, because this is a, an addition here. Let's, we'll start in 16 because we all love 16. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved. Look at, look at here, because people stop with, with either 16, maybe they'll even go into 17, but look at 18 here. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him or believe is condemned. Because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Wow. If I want to please God, if I want to stand or have the status of, when I ask the question, am I pleasing to God? If I want to say, if I want to be able to say yes, it starts with faith in the Son. So, if you wrote that question down, that's that's the first point under the the bullet point or whatever. That if you want to be pleasing to God, you have to have faith in the Son. Now, I'm not going to get. Maybe I will. The measure of your faith will depend, right? Some people are gifted with faith. Some people have enough faith to believe that, 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 that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is the Son of God. He did do all that. And, and, and then they kind of get all froze up because I don't, know, I don't have enough faith to go beyond that. 
Well, we know that, the, 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 that God gives us, well, first, God gives us the faith in which we have. For by grace you've been, sa- <clears throat> been saved through faith. It's, it's not your own doing. It's a gift of God. So the faith in which you have is a gift from God. So what do we do when we get gifts? Anybody, what do we do when we get gifts? We open them. So when people say, well, I, don't just, I just don't have enough faith, well, because you haven't looked in the bottom of the box yet. Right? How many times? So if you get this big box on Christmas or on your birthday, and it's huge, and you open it up, and there's a bunch of, like, those, what do they call, peanuts, do you just like, and, and then on, with all the peanuts, there's, there's a, a book on top of it. And you're like, oh, this is awesome. And then you walk away from the box. No, no. what do you do? You either dig or you jump in or you dump the box out and you shake it out. Most of the time, the kids take the box and they make a fort out of it or something like that. But you don't receive the gift and just like, oh, this must be all there is. Thank you. I mean, if your parents are cruel, maybe they did that, but <laughs> no, but when we get a gift, what we want is we want to enjoy the whole gift. Well, if faith is given to us by God as a gift through his grace, why would we not want to enjoy all of it? Why would we not? Why would we want to just stick with the little, because, here, I'll answer that question because this is what just what popped in my mind. Um, the answer to that question is why would we want to stick with the little piece of faith instead of diving into the deeper into the boxes because we're scared. We don't know what's down in the, the bottom of the box. We don't know how consumed we're going to get with the box or with this gift. We're not going to, we, we don't know what, 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 uh, what's going to be required of us if we accept the full gift. So if I just take a little piece of it, whoo, I got enough, whoo, I got my get out of hell free card, set that right here, and woohoo, party on. Instead of diving in, we're scared. But the Bible is clear. God tells us that he didn't give us that spirit of fear. He gave us a spirit of power and of strength and of self-control. So who's holding you back? Who's holding me back from exercising that faith? Yourself. The one who looks back at you in the mirror every morning. What we have to understand is that this, this, this faith, is this assuredness is not where some people think that, well, if I have faith in God and if I'm going to live a Christian life, my life's going to be dull. You have fallen for one of the greatest lies that the devil has ever told, that the life of a Christian is dull. Well, God doesn't really want you to be happy. He really doesn't want you to be satisfied. I shared this with, with Jake this morning, and I love this quote from um, uh, one, of, one of the guys on which I look up to, John Piper, if you guys want to look at him up. He, he says this quote that, that God is most glorified um, by us when we are most satisfied in him. God is most glorified by us when we're most satisfied in him. Well, how am I satisfied in God? It starts with faith. It starts with trust. It starts with everything that he has given me, not thinking that I, I just need a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more, and then I'll be satisfied. It's taking what he's given me, whether it's your, your, your job, your wife, your kids, your dog, not your cat, but your dog, um, 
But it's taken and saying that I'm satisfied in this. This is what God has given me to be a steward of. This is what, what he has gifted me to exercise my faith with. Whatever that is. I, I leave that a little bit open-ended and ambiguous because I don't know what God has given you to exercise your faith. Maybe he's given you a great job. Maybe he has given you a great wife like he gave me. Brownie points. Uh, <laughs> maybe, I don't know, maybe he's given you a, a great beard. I don't know what it is. But everything that we've been given, we've been given to be good stewards of. To be good stewards of what? Of the faith in which he has given to us. Everything is to be used. Everything is to be used for the glory of God. When we view things uh, in the sense of, um, I'm going to view this into how my life can be better and how I can be glorified, we get things mixed up. Because we fall into that, that, um, the, the, the same trap that, that Adam and Eve fell into where God doesn't really want you to be satisfied or God really doesn't want you to be happy. Because if he did, he'd give you X, Y, and Z. It wasn't an apple. It was some type of fruit, ogre. Don't bite. Either way, don't bite it, right? So, but that's what the devil did. He's like, God really doesn't want what's best for you, so he, he gives you an alternative. No, God wants what, what is best for you. But what we do is we, we uh, fall to that, 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 that thought and, and that mindset of the, the deception which Satan speaks into our life. And how we do that primarily is we think that we have to please those people around us to make us who we are. We are not the people, or we are, we are not the individuals that the people around us think that we are, if that's where our status is. Because it says clearly in Scripture that who we are as believers of the Son, as believers in Jesus Christ, as ones who have passed from death to darkness, it says who we are are heirs with Christ. And, and Paul even uses the terminology of we are in Christ. And I love this imagery. I was reading this week, and I saw this one guy. He said, think of it this way. With us being in Christ, it's kind of like the air in which we breathe. So we, the air in which we breathe is inside of us, but we're also in the air in which we breathe. In the same essence, when Christ is in us, he's not only in us. I love this song. Love it, love it, love it. Christ is all around us. We're engulfed by Christ. So, if we're going to ask the question, how can I be pleasing to God? We answer the question by having faith in the Son. Why is that so important? Because, this is, this is, this is the, the, the beautiful part. This is, I can't even put this into words. This is the, 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 the pinnacle. It's the, the Everest. It's the point, the summit, whatever. When God looks down to us, as believers of Jesus Christ, what does he see? Jesus. Think about that for a second. So Jesus is the one who come up out of the water and the, the heavens spoke. The Father said, I am well pleased. And as we are believers in him, we are hidden. And that's the, the terminology that, that, that Paul uses, uses. We're hidden in Christ. What Christ has done has covered our sin. And because it's covered our sin, when the Father looks at us, he sees the Son. 
And what did he say about the son? He's well pleased. So when we ask the question, is it in and of myself that, that God is pleased? Absolutely not. Because I'm totally depraved. I'm dead. I, I'm dead in my trespasses and, and sins. It's only through the, the, the uh, finished work of Jesus Christ that I'm made alive. It's only by the, the Holy Spirit coming in and making me alive. Like uh, um, Ezekiel in, in uh, the Valley of, of Dry Bones, where the, the bones were dead. It wasn't until the, the breath of God, which is the Spirit of God, came over them and gave them life. That's the same thing with, with, with me. That's the same thing with, with you. That's what we get excited about is that, that the Spirit of God coming in and giving us life. Because without the Spirit of God coming in and giving us life, we're dead. And if we're dead, we're not pleasing to God. I don't want to be there. I want to stand and be there in front of God and the Father and say, okay, why are you coming in? Because all you see is your son. Pops. I mean, I wouldn't say that, but all you see is your son because what he has done, that's what my hope is in. That's what my assurance is in. Faith in the son. We see another, another aspect of what is, what is pleasing to God in the picture of the baptism. The second thing, life in the spirit because here's the deal. Christian life, the way in which the Bible says, not the way in which, like Elijah said, like society says, the way in which the Bible says is, I'll just say this, it's dang near impossible to do it on your own. But what, what, the standard in which God has given us to, to live up to is we, we look at that and we're just like overwhelmed by it. If we tried to do it all on our own, we tried to please God on, uh, if I did this and I didn't do this, we would just make ourselves into a basket case. Some of you are sitting here and you're like, yeah, been there. They gave me a jacket and everything. Don't want to go back. Uh, no, I'm saying, I'm serious. I've been there. I've driven myself crazy trying to just please God. And if I do this, and I don't do this because I'm trying to do it all on my own. The Apostle Paul makes it very clear what it is we're supposed to do and how it is we're supposed to do this. We're supposed to live and walk and move and breathe in the Spirit of God. Turn over to Romans 8 real quick. If you notice, I keep saying real quick, like it's <laughs> going to be real quick. But I want us to understand faith in the Son, is that awesome? Yes, it's great, but it doesn't stop there. You, you, it, it's not just pick up the, the part of the, the gift and leave the rest there. Look at uh, Romans chapter 8. Let, let's just start in verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I don't know about you, that's one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. Because do you, do you hear what that says, what, what Paul is saying? He, he, there's that therefore, what, what's he, why is that there, there, what's it there for? Well, he's talking about because of Christ's death, because of what he has accomplished by his death, his burial, his resurrection, read back the, the, the previous seven chapters, 
He says, therefore, there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So, for you, for me, if we're going to ask, if we're going to look at this, this big picture, and if we're going to listen to what people say that you don't, you don't measure up to what a Christian should be, or you're not doing what you're supposed to, and here's the deal. The Bible says, I love that, the Bible says, I love those, you ever say something that makes you just chuckle like, yes, anybody? Or is that just kind of, Ed, I know you have. The Bible says that if you are in Christ Jesus, no one can condemn you. Let, let that just sink in for a second because I don't care what your, your uh, boss at work or your teacher or your, how about this, for, for some of you older folks, your, your kid, maybe you have an adult kid, I don't care what they say. The Bible says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No matter what you have done, you're not viewed as being condemned if you're in Christ Jesus. Why? Because everything's been nailed to the cross. Everything. Don't take that lightly. That, 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 that no con- Don't let someone else write your story. Don't let the, the people around you write a chapter in your book that ain't true. Only God's the author of the book. And he says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Weighty, he goes on to say, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. I, again, I can't, I can't help but just getting overwhelmed by, look at this. It's in the spirit that you've been what? Set free. Free. I'm the only one excited about that. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the spirit. Understand that something huge has taken place. God's righteous requirement of law is being manifested through us when we are in the Spirit. Because it says that we're not walking according to the flesh, we're walking according to the Spirit. What does that mean? It says, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Don't think of anybody in your life right now. Think of you. Because what we try to do is when we hear things like that, we try to be super spiritual, and we say, yeah, I know this person, and I know that person, and yeah, they're, they're definitely fleshly. Yep. No, because when you do that, you're setting your mind on things of the flesh. You're not setting your mind on the things of the Spirit. Let this, let this just pour through you. Let this just, just overwhelm you. Let it just uh, overtake you. For to set the mind on the, on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is what? Hostile to God. Okay, so in other words, um, ain't very pleasing. Will we all agree? Hostile? It's hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Why can it not? Because the flesh is dead. Those 
who are in the flesh cannot please God. He doesn't stop. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Not my words, his words. If the Spirit has not been given, then the individual is not in Christ. How about I'll put it this way? They're not a child of God. Not everybody is a child of God. Well, I disagree. Disagree all you want. The Bible says that not everybody is a child. Not everyone's a creation of God. But the children of God uh, share in his, in, in the, the, are heirs with Christ in, in the rewards. It says, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Let me, let me do this because I think this is something as well. The question I've been asked, well, I don't, I believe it, but I don't know if, I don't know if the Holy Spirit's in me. I haven't had the, 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 that warm, tingly feeling. Well, maybe you won't. The presence of the Spirit accompanies the faith in the Son. So when the Father spoke and said, in you I'm well pleased, the Spirit is descending on the Son. Did Jesus already have the Spirit dwell in him? Absolutely. That's just a picture for us to see. That when we are seen in Christ, as, as, and we are uh, seen pleasing in Christ, that we are indwelt with the Holy Spirit. Just because you may, might not have had that warm, tingly feeling, doesn't mean that the Spirit of God isn't in you. But on the other hand, if you don't see any difference in your old life and in your supposed new life, you should, as Paul says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling because maybe the Spirit of God isn't in you, and if the Spirit of God isn't in you, then you don't have faith in the Son of God. And I'll be the bad guy to tell you because I want to see every single one of you with me in heaven. Let that be. So let, let, the, let the understand. Paul goes on to say um, later on that the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So how do we know the Spirit of God bears witness with our spirit, and He, he He'll let you know. God's not going to keep you hanging. Well, I don't know. I, I just I, I think. No, you don't have to think. You can know. Let me go on. But if Christ is in you. Although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. You've heard me say this a, a, a thousand times. The same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is the same spirit that resides in the believer. When we don't dive into the box and exercise all of that faith that's coming out there, that, that, that has been given to us, that God has graciously given to us as a gift, what we're doing is we're grieving the Spirit. The Spirit of God wants to manifest Himself in your life more than you can even imagine. But what we do is we say, now, nah, hold on, stay away. And what we're doing is we're, we're keeping, one, we're keeping ourselves from blessings from God. Two, we're, 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 we're not being pleasing. So we're, if, we're, um, if, we're, if God is pleased with us, 
because of our position, because of our person being in Jesus Christ, well, we can live a life that's full, a life in the Spirit, so others can see him, so others can see the manifested glory of God. So as I started out, I, I think that we need to answer that question again. Is God pleased with you? You answer that question. Because I gave you two things, one primarily to get started with. Is God pleased with you? Is there faith in the Son of God? Let's bow. We're going to... uh, We're going to have a, a, a little bit longer time here at the end. Um, a couple, instead of only doing a couple songs, we're doing three songs. Give us a little bit more time to, to sit. Um, if you want to just sit, fine. Reflect. Um, if you want to come up uh, and, and pray, I'll make myself available. I know there's others who will make them, themselves available. Um, but here's what I don't, I, I don't want. I don't want anybody to leave out of this room, not, not this church, this, this room, without answering that question, is God pleased with me? Because you can know the answer. There is no or, or I don't know, yes or No. If it's no, let's remedy that. Let's beg God to to give you that grace, to give you that faith to make you alive. How about this? It's yes, but you're not moving on to the next part of life in the spirit. Well, let's pray for you. Let's pray for me. Let's pray for us. To quit trying to please everybody around us and press in to please God and live a life that that is is glorifying to him. I don't know what everybody's going through. But what I do know is I want whatever burden that you're carrying right now, let's do this. Let's do a mental exercise. Whatever burden you're carrying right now, identify it. And then you put a box around it. This is how I would do it in my mind. Put a box around it. Grab that box in your mind and just set it on the shelf for a second. Set it on the shelf. Because you don't want to worry about that. Let's just press into what it is that God's saying to you right now. Whatever it is, let's let the, the, the burdens not be the defining characteristic in our lives. Let the one who, that was spoken of from heaven be the defining characteristic in our life. Because when we do that, what you'll see is that shelf that you set it on, there's a little label on that says, for God only. He's got it. He'll take care of it. 